drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. We gonna drop the bomb. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience. Welcome back, folks. It's your man, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields. And as always, I have another exciting show for you today on Sound Bombing. Let me tell you, this interview took me a while to get. This brother is currently traveling all over the country. I got a chance to sit down with him, run into him at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., where we were both the featured speakers at the United Negro College Fund internship, summer internship program, where I believe over 75 young people, African-Americans, I think maybe one Latina from all over the country came to participate in this amazing project. And I got a chance to sit down with my man. I told him, when you come to the East Coast, you got to come to, you definitely got to come to the Sound Bombing Studio to sit down with you. This is my man, Dr. Joe Johnson in the building. What's up, brother? What's going on? What's going on? How you doing? Hey, man, I just want to thank you uh, for, for, for coming on board, man. I know you are traveling all over. You left D.C. And then when you left D.C., where did you go? I went to Baltimore, even though I was supposed to go to Savannah, but I had to sleep in the airport. But I went to Savannah, now I'm in Atlanta, then I'm headed to Phoenix. <laughs> See, you know, it's, it's funny. So people, people think it's... Is glorified. We get a chance to travel all over all over the country, and you said that you had to spread to sleep in the freaking in Baltimore in the airport because what happened? How'd you end up in Baltimore, man? Man, they had they canceled. Our, we got on the we got on a flight, and you know the, the weather started lightning, so they canceled my flight after sitting at the airport for seven hours. It kept getting pushed back, and I had to find a ride from DC to Baltimore and sleep in the airport because the flight was too early to make it to the hotel. But hey. You know how we rock when we try to get to the next gig. And see, for all those aspiring speakers out there, inspirational, motivational speakers, whatever you want to call yourself who want to do this work, it ain't always that easy and it's not always that glorious. And so Joe just gave uh-huh. an example of having, the, and I've had to sleep, brother, I've had to sleep in, uh, I had to sleep in some cars sometime. I had to sleep in some uh, airports where custodians were like, yo, you need to move to, you need to move to the next, to the, to the next station because we're about to clean up. Uh, but again, this is the this is the work that we said that we want to do, and this is this is what we're yeah. actually doing. And sometimes it's not as glorious as, as people actually think it is. I mean, you get a chance, you're missing your family, you're on the road. I know you have two children, and I, and I talked a little bit about you in the intro, man. So, what are you doing now? So, you are in uh, Atlanta. What are you doing in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm in I'm in Atlanta. I just had a couple of meetings in Atlanta, but my mother lives here. I have a, uh, some other family here, so just kind of coming through. Uh, trying to work on some stuff down here in Atlanta. I'm definitely trying to make sure that uh, I'm growing the team because you can only do you can only do this work for so long by and you know I'm trying to make sure that to get to that next level, I'm positioning myself around the right people in terms of PR, marketing, all that fun stuff. And so yeah, man, just coming through here to have a couple of meetings, man. See my see my mother, see some other family. And uh, keep it moving towards the next opportunity. You know, it's interesting you would say that, man. For those know, I went to school with Erica Badu, man. Shout out to my girl E Badu. We know as Erica Wright with Grambling State University. And Erica Joe had a song, man, where she says, when I'm on the road, I miss my mama. I get hungry. 
I get tired. Ain't nothing like, you know, and Drake said it in, in one of his, his, his recent song, man. Ain't nothing like putting your feet in your mama's house, in the kitchen. Because what I love about our people, Joe, they don't give a damn about all the degrees you got. They don't care what you've been. You still going to be your mama's son, the youngest son, the oldest son, the middle boy. Uh, and, and, and I know that that's a great way to sort of recharge your battery. So you got this, you got this amazing book out, man. And in that book, you talk about beginning your, it says, begin your pursuit of purpose. What, what does it mean? Like, when did you know you were walking into your purpose, man? What does that look like for us? Well, I, I think, you know, just to start, um, you know, I think about my time as an athlete. I was, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to have an athletic scholarship in college. And uh, even though I didn't play Division One, I, I still had opportunities to play, uh, to work out for NFL teams. And so, you know, I was up for, like, the Division Two Heisman and all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, what I, I knew for a fact that I needed something that gave me, I needed a career that gave me the same high as when I was playing sports. And when you think about it, as a speaker, you put the work in behind the scenes, and then it's game time, you get in front of the crowd, now it's time to show what you put the work in for. You know, and so I knew that I was living, walking, matter of fact, running in my purpose when, one, I just felt good. It felt easy to me. Other people were trying to figure out how I was doing it, but also I was having an impact. And so that that was that an easy transition for you to do this work that you're doing now, going from the football field. And I heard, I read the bio in the intro, man, I heard you were supposed to be a standout, you know, a stand, you know, brother be like, yeah, I was, a, I think you, were you like a playground legend on the football field, brother? Brother's always trying to brag, <laughs> trying try to brag. With that. It was a sand lot. You're probably one of them cats who used to put rocks on the ground. Like, man, you go out 10 yards over here, you know, you go out 11 yards <laughs> over there, man, and then you cut across, man. So how were you able to transition from the football field to doing, to becoming an international speaker? You know, what was that process like? Well, well, it, it, you know, it, I started off, actually, I worked in the schools as a school counselor. I worked in corporate America doing sales. I worked in higher education. And then all, at, during all of those times in my life, something inside of me kept telling me, this can't be it. Mm-hmm. And this is not it. And so, you know, I, as I was speaking and growing, and growing my business, it was not easy at all. Because there was, you know how it is at the beginning, you get booked one day. Then you're waiting 30, 60 days later, oh, finally get another gig. And so I was working full-time, uh, getting my Ph.D. I had a family, my wife, my kids, all that fun stuff, and I was trying to grow. And when I finally decided that I was going to pursue speaking full-time, within two months I lost $8,000, man. I, I said, oh, man. And I realized at that point it was a test because some people say, you know what, I'm going back to get me a job. But for me, even though it hurt like hell, it was a test to say, do you really want this? Is this really what you want? And I, I took the lesson from that. And so now I make sure that I don't go and take a product or anything, get a table or anything at conferences unless I've been there and been able, been able to check it out. So that was the lesson that I received from losing almost $8,000. $8, but the transition, it's still, it's still uh, pretty, I don't want to say hard because I've, I've learned a lot from people like yourself, people who've been in the game longer than I have. But it is not an easy transition, especially when you're learning how to be an entrepreneur coming from working for somebody. So what did you do during that time when you had that holding place? You got the gig and then you said nothing showed up. Tell us what you did during that process when you were sort of in, in limbo waiting to hear for the next what, what the next piece was going to be about. 
Well, one of the things that um, I was doing is I was creating content, so I was making sure that, uh, you know, what I first thought was I needed to always have more and more content, keep, keep pushing content out, keep pushing content out. So I have a lot of content that for online courses or other online programs that I have for people. But the other, the other part was I was listening to podcasts every day about being an entrepreneur. I was reading books. I was watching videos. I was practicing on my speaking, right, watching other speakers. And so I was just doing everything that I could to make sure that I was ready for the next opportunity. And so who are some of the people that you were reading and what are some of the books and what are some of the podcasts that you were listening to? Well, one of the first books that um, I started to read was called The 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Oh, man, one uh, one another one. Great books. One of my, I love Tim Ferriss. For those that are listening, I'm trying to get to the Tim Ferriss level, man. So I love that. So 4-Hour Work Week, what else? Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the 4-Hour Workweek, another book that I was reading uh, was a book called Six Months to Six Figures. Okay. And so that was, that was um, I don't really listen to him as much anymore, but uh, that was another one. But then I got, I got this, this podcast, uh, my, my business coach introduced me to this podcast uh, by Lewis Howes, and it's called The School of Greatness. And oh, so... Wow. I lo- man, you hitting... You hitting on all the great podcasts and all the people that I sort of study that are out. And I'm loving the fact that because a lot, you know, of course, you and I are men of color. But again, you name some folks who don't really look like us, who have a lot of value, because a lot of times, Joe, you know, we on this circuit, we see people that look like us, black and brown people. And we don't even read those. We don't read of folks that don't look like us but the two people that you named have major credibility major major credibility in this work and they they inspired mm-hmm. me as well absolutely absolutely man and, and, and you know one one last one last uh one and it's podcast and, and i i do a lot of audiobooks versus reading uh but one one last podcast that really helped me as well just kind of understanding is uh a woman named amy porterfield and Amy Porterfield, uh, she used to work with um, uh, what's his name? He's all over the place. One of the one of the top speakers. How about just his name? That says he, he had a uh, he had a documentary on Netflix. Has an ashy voice. You know who I'm talking about? Big Paul. Are you about Tim Robbins. Uh, are you are you, talking, are you talking about Tim Robbins? You're not you're not, Man, you're, you're not talking about phone. Tim Robbins, the speaker. It's not Tim Robbins. Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Tony, Tony Robbins. Why did I say Tim? Yeah, Tony Robbins. Real Tony, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the guru Tony of motivation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So those are a few people who you know really helped me kind of hone my ability to kind of just think differently within this space. Because as a speaker, you can't think as though you're still working in the schools or working in corporate America, you got to think as an entrepreneur and know how to taste and know how to create uh, opportunities for yourself. So what was it about Amy? What was it about Tony Robbins? And what was it about uh, what Tim Ferriss? What was it about those three individuals that you named that really, really, really spoke to you as a speaker? Well, Tim Ferriss, his, his book really made me think differently about how to delegate right so you know one of the things that stand out to me is is uh virtual assistance i knew nothing about that world but taking advantage of people who work in places like india so you send them a project 
And while you're asleep, they can work on it because it's daytime there. And when you wake up, it's done. Right? So such, uh, small, small things like that that'll help you be more productive. Uh, then when I think about, like, Lewis Howe, School of, School of Greatness, he's a former athlete. And the fact that he's only, I believe, 34, 33, 34. Yeah, yeah he's young. Just... His, his ability to, I like how he interviews. I like his style. Um, it's it's very organic. Hold on, and you, so you I pay like attention. My, you don't like my style, brother? You ain't said a shout out to me yet, man. Oh, no, 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 man. Just, you know, I, 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 I love your style, man. <laughs> Go, you didn't name me in the three podcasts. So the next interview that you have, this is going to be the fourth podcast. You named all those other guys. Go ahead, man. <laughs> But yeah, man, I love the way that, that he interviewed um, Amy, Amy Porterfield, and she's all about building your online program and your and some of the courses that you may create. And so, just learning how to do that and some of the tips and tricks to make sure that you have the right people and you're creating the right content, the right copy for individuals that could, could jump on to whatever it is that whatever opportunities you have for them in terms of um, online programs or online courses. So in the in the introduction, uh, I talked about two of your books, uh, Pursue Your Purpose, Not Your Dreams and The College Kids. So Pursue mm-hmm. Your Purpose, Not Your Dreams. So I want you to tell me what's the difference be- or describe the difference between purpose and dreams. Right. So, you know, when I, when I think of. So, the, so let, let me let me put this in perspective, because I think it's very important, because I, one of the reasons I created that title is because it's an automatic uh, conversation starter. Right, people say, "Well, hold on, isn't it the same thing?" Well, well, you know, people always do that. And for me, I describe purpose versus dreams as everybody. When I was growing up, and when I did run tra- run track, uh, the couple of times that I did, everybody seemed like they always wanted to be the sprinter. And when you think, when I think about dreams, the sprinter will take off so fast, get to the finish line, and be done. And when I think about dreams, I'm realizing some people. They think they know what they want. Their dream is so big, they get there. Then they realize this isn't even what they want in terms of their career, right? And then when I think about purpose, I think about the long-distance runner, the steeplechase, the person they have. When you watch those long-distance runners, they slow down at times. They speed up. They're looking to the left. They're looking to their right. They're observing. They, they know what they have a tactical plan. And so when I think about purpose, you have more an, an ability to turn left or turn right or slow down or do whatever you need to do to make sure that you're getting to where you get. So when I think about those two, I just think there are so many people that are chasing dreams that have nothing to do with their purpose. And part of that is we don't talk about purpose enough. We always say dream big, follow your dreams. But we never, we don't as much talk about what does purpose look like for you. And every blue moon they align and they're the same, but too often they're not. And so you know I'm a sprinter, brother. So you hating on the sprinters. And I was I was the lead, I was the anchor brother. I was I was four <laughs> by one leader. So listen, man, don't be dissing us sprinters, man. But I definitely understand <laughs> I understand the metaphor and I like how you're using sports because sports is a really, really good way to connect individuals who may not know these these individuals that you're actually naming, the Tim Ferris's of the world and the Amy's of the world. And so I think connecting the sports really, really makes a lot of sense. So what inspired you to write yeah. this particular book, though? I know you, you have the book for kids, which I read, which is a book that's in Spanish and in English. And of course, you know, I love, love that because you hablo español, señor. But what, what, right. what, what was the uh, impetus or what, what, was go- what was going on in your life for you to decide to write mm-hmm. the book, uh, Pursue Your Purpose and Not Your Dreams? Uh, man, very simple, man. I mean, I was, uh, like I said, I was working in K-12, 
And I remember working at K-12, and I would have students getting ready to graduate from high school, and I kept hearing, man, Mr. Johnson, I don't, I don't even know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. And then I remember working in, working higher ed, students were graduating college, and I was still hearing, man, I don't even know what I want to do. They have a degree, and they were still like, man, I don't even know what I want to do. And then I said, this is, this is interesting. And so what I did was I started to talk to some folks who were in their careers, and I realized that there were a lot of people older, wiser people that were in their careers, and they hated what they were doing. So I said, there's a disconnect somewhere where you have high schoolers and college students not knowing what they want to do. Then you have people in actual careers, and they hate what they do. So I was trying to figure out what is going on, what are we not doing to help individuals to live in their purpose. So that's why I wrote the book. So how, so I know you and I Midwesterners, man, you, you from Milwaukee or, or the mill. I don't know when y'all start calling it the mill. Brothers are always trying to add a little, trying to put their, their, their <laughs> the mill. We never called it the mill. Uh, but I know, you had, I know, I know you had a, um, you know, somewhat challenging life growing up in, in Milwaukee. Uh, I know mm-hmm. you, your, your grades weren't the best. I mean, your grades weren't the best. Uh, how, but how did Milwaukee growing up in a city like Milwaukee? And I know you traveled all over. Uh, you know, living in another place, but how did a city like Milwaukee prepare prepare you to do the work that you're doing now to serve? Like, what was it about? What was it about growing up in the Midwest? You know, I I I can't speak on even though Milwaukee's in the Midwest, I I wasn't well traveled in the Midwest, so I'm gonna speak on Milwaukee. Like, I'm I'm just now over since graduate school finally going to Chicago to see what's up in Chicago, and that's only a, a tra- an hour train ride away, right? But, you know, for, for Milwaukee, man, I believe it, it, you know, there was a lot of, and, and you're familiar with this, it was Chicago, you know, when I, at least when I was growing up in the early 90s, you know, the gang activity was very high. And the same way you had it in Cali, you had Chicago, there was a lot of gang activity in, in Milwaukee. And I watched uh, a lot of people you know, they're out there selling, selling, selling whatever they want to sell. You know, some people got killed, all kind of stuff. And, you know, I definitely could have fell victim to that mentality and, and to some of those negative experiences. But one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about in inner cities, the fact that we have great families in these cities, right? And so for me, I contribute a lot of what I've been able to do to how great my family was. You know what I'm saying? And they made sure that, I use sports as a tool to get out of that situation, even though I was robbed with a gun, you know, pointed at my head, even though my mother's boyfriend pulled out a pistol on me, even though I've been in places where they're shooting, you know, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I allowed sports to be a tool to get me out of my neighborhood and my environment. And when you come from places like that often, you have this grit and this determination and this hustle about you to win by any means necessary. So now I know why. So for those who don't know, I met Joe a couple of years ago at the, at the Savannah Conference, National Youth At-Risk Conference. And I was like, man, who is this dude coming down here with this extra tight shirt on like he did some, <laughs> so he did some push-ups right before the workshop? You know how you, you do some push-ups, get your muscles, get your pecs all out. So now I know growing <laughs> up in Milwaukee, brother, you got pistols drawn on you like, yo, it ain't going down again like this. And then I'm sure you're like, don't let the intellectual fool you that I'm smart, but I will put my hands on you. And, and it's important hey. that you got to carry that with you because, again, not only right. will people try to chump you in some of these schools and these programs, but also, Joe, in the boardroom, let's talk about that, man. Being a man of color, uh, coming from Milwaukee, you know, just getting your degree, you know, what are some of the challenges that you are faced with 
even though you still have a a, a PhD. Yeah, man. You know, it, you know and, I, and I'm pretty sure you you had to do this at times. Like, I'm not. I, I I let people know that yes, I'm Dr. Joe Johnson, and part of that is because you know when I grew up, I didn't know a lot of black men or people that look like me who was doctor whatever right and so i make sure to say that but i'm not the guy that's going to push that in your face and act like i know everything because i have a phd because i don't but what i will say is i've had to pull that card sometimes because some people think you know when they look at you if you don't dress a certain way that you're a certain type of individual and it's always funny when i say my name is dr joe johnson how they perk up and get their stuff together Especially when, right? you rock, so especially that, when you rocking some Tims, you rocking a hoodie, or you rocking yeah. the latest fitted hat, which which when you get off stage, you clearly change it to that. I'm sure that plays a role as well. Right, and it, it definitely it definitely does, and and that's why I try to be versatile. And sometimes I'll be in the suit depending on the audience or where I need to be, and sometimes I'll be in some sneakers. But I think that's another thing. You know, you, we learn that you have to be versatile, and at some point you get to a point where you can really do whatever the hell you want to do. But, you know, there, like you said, man, even having a Ph.D. in the world that we live in, there are still people that look at you as though, how the hell did you get that Ph.D.? Or they may say, they may say something crazy like, where did you get that Ph.D.? Online or something, you know what I'm saying? Like, just passive-aggressive. So, man, we're always dealing with stuff. And, and even through email. Right, and it's and it's hard sometimes to to understand what some folks are saying, but sometimes you just know the the tone in which some people are speaking to you, even though you're you're an educated and cool individual. So yes, I still deal with presence. So if you just tuned in, I'm listen. You're you're listening to my man, Doctor Joe Johnson, straight out of Milwaukee, or as as he calls it, the Mill. Uh, so, so Joe, you name some of the books that you're reading. What, what are you listening to? What, what's in your iPod or what's on your iPhone when you're working out? What type of music? Who are you listening to? Oh man, I'm listening to everything. That's one thing about me. It's, it's not about one particular genre. It's about how I feel. So I know recently I've been on Nipsey Hustle, Nipsey Hustle, right? Victory Lap. I also listened to a young lady named Her. I listened to that whole album, pretty dope. Just I finished listening to uh, Miguel. Uh, I just finished listening to uh, Ed Sheeran's old album. I love his album. He got one of the best albums ever, if you ask me. But I'm always going to have some Bruno Mars, some Michael Jackson play in, in my system playing. But it just depends on the energy that I need that day. What, what's your favorite Michael Jackson song? Come on, spit it out. Oh, very, very simple. Smooth Criminal. Smooth. <laughs> so, that, that's, so hold up, hold up. <laughs> that, that, now, now I know the folks... Folks want to know why Smooth Criminal. What is it about that song or maybe the video? This maybe maybe it defines who you are. Why why that Michael Jackson song? I thought you were going to hit off the wall, brother, that album. But go ahead. Why Smooth Criminal? <laughs> no, but you know what, what I love about Smooth Criminal, man, is one, when I grew up, I remember watching Moonwalker. And, and that was I was like, man, this is the best video i ever seen. And then I learned the whole routine, trying to, trying to copy. But what I thought about Smooth Criminal, man, is is the is the fact that Michael Jackson he was calm and quiet, but when he got on that when he got on that floor in that video he was just like you know he he didn't look like no thug. Now we know Michael Jackson looked like no thug, but that persona of the word smooth criminal and just that video of how he was checking everybody he was whooping, he was whooping a little tail too you know what I'm saying in that video. But I just love the fact <laughs> that 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 whole video man all of his videos were like movies. The smooth criminal always stood out to me. Because of the dance moves, and then it was Michael, man. It was Michael. 
So, so speaking, for example, everything like Michael Jackson was like a movie. So if there was, if there's a movie that's out right now or past, what movie do you think sort of defines who you are right now? If there's a film right now, what, what film sort of defines who you are? Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's out right now. Or it could be an, it could be an, uh, it could be an old movie. It could be an old movie or a movie to define or, or a song. It could be a movie and or a song. Like, like when you are, uh, oh, oh. You, you got the movie? What's your movie? Oh, yeah. I got the movie. And, and we were just talking about it yesterday. I watched it all the time as a kid, The Last Dragon. Oh, wow. The Last Dragon. You like Van, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. Come on now. Who did? Who did? So why, why The Last Dragon? Why The Last Dragon? Well, I think it's a, it's a representation, man, when somebody finally finally finds their greatness, finally finds out it was, it was in you the whole time, right? And I mean, you know, that... that the, that scene in the movie where, so, you know, for some of the young folks who listen to this, they're like, what movie are you talking about? But so, some of the folks, you know, my age and up, they know. But that scene in the movie where uh, he was having that last fight and he lifted his head up, the water flew off, and he asked him, who's the master? And he looked at him and said, I am. That's one of the most classic scenes ever, man. One of the most classic Show scenes Show enough ever. who's the master. Show enough. Man, why, why did I, I don't know if it was me, but I thought Show Enough was actually... Um, uh, why well, can't I just lost his name? Morgan Freeman, man. Candy man. No, thought, oh, Morgan Freeman. That was Morgan Freeman. <laughs> man, I was young. I ain't know, but I definitely knew Vanity was in it. All right, so you walking in the, you walking down the street. What music? When you walk into the barbershop or when you walk into a building, what music sort of? What music sort of just is, is just playing in the back? I'm gonna tell you mine. Mine is Fight the Power, man. 1989, a number, another summer, <laughs> sound of the funky drum. Like that right there, that song speaks of who I who I was and who I, who I aspire to be. What song just sort of mm. is you that, 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 that embodies everything about what, Joe, what Dr. Joe Johnson is right now? Well, the, I mean, the, the, the song has been my theme music since it came out. And I'm, I'm going to bring something more present. It's Bruno Mars, 24 Kids. Why Bruno? I love that song. I like Bruno, but why? Because why it, I, I, I think even though he's a, a newer artist, he still has that old school soul, and he just he makes you feel a certain type of way. His music it, it, it gives you energy. It, it makes you feel good. And I'm a smiler. I smile all the time. I'm not walking around with the thug mean mug on, and so it makes me smile, make me feel good. And when I can feel like that, even though if I'm having a bad day, I'm good to go. So what do you want our listeners to know about Dr. Joe Johnson that they may not get from your website or that they may not get from your YouTube channel or from your speech? What do you want people to know about you? I think very simple, man. Um, you know, I'm all about, I've been saying this for years, about versatility, about being a chameleon, about being honest with people. I don't think we have the luxury nowadays, especially with our young people and even with career professionals, older folks. To, to not let them know the truth. And so just making sure that we know exactly what it is for us to walk in our purpose. We need to make sure that we're working on ourselves first before we try to change everybody else. But the other thing is, man, I, I, I love my family. Uh, I have two beautiful sons. I got a fine wife. Uh, and, and for all those you know, that even, are listening right now, you heard he said I got a, he didn't say I have a wife. I have a fine, <laughs> F-I-N-E wife. <laughs> <laughs> But, but but I will say, as as wonderful as we look when you look at a picture of us as a family, we're human and we have our struggles as well. So I don't like when people look at me as though I'm some 
some type of celebrity. Like I'm better. I'm like, yo, I go through the same stuff everybody else go through, and even though I smile, I'm dealing with stuff as well. So don't treat me like I'm, I'm some superstar because I'm not. And I just want to bring as many people to my level and higher that I can. I'm not selfish. That's why I like dealing with brothers like you and everybody else that I met at NYAR in the last couple of years. So so tell the listeners, who are some of the people that Dr. Joe Johnson's worked with? Who are some of the folks you worked with recently or in the past? Well, I've worked with some large institutions like University of Michigan, University of Florida, uh, some corporate organizations like Toyota, FedEx. Uh, recently, uh, I'm doing some work for the United Negro College Fund as their main speaker slash host for their Empower Me tour. And, you know, there, there, there's others. I mean, even like, I'm, I was wondering, how did I get an opportunity to work with the, uh, the National Guard? Now that, I'm like, you know, so there's so many, you know, as a speaker and as a person who has the ability to communicate, if you set yourself and position yourself right, you, you and, and when you fall into your purpose, so many opportunities to come your way that you never thought would come your way. So, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Look, question your question. Question your answer. So, what's the best advice you've gotten that you did not take advantage of? And don't so don't say uh, don't say bet on the calves, brother. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so what's no, the I, advice I, that you that you never took advantage of? Well, let me not say I never. I'm I'm finally doing that. Okay. But uh, some years ago, I was always told, "You're going to do this. You're going to need a team." And I was so used to doing stuff on my own and by myself and doing it a certain way, I was kind of reluctant to add people to my team. But recently, I, I have representation on, on, on some of the, in my, edu- in my education space, and I've watched how many more opportunities have come my way, and it's just been great. So, and so build your team. So let's, talk about that. so let's talk about that reluctance. Why were you reluctant on putting a team together around the Joe Johnson? Because you are building a brand. Why were you reluctant? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think... You know, when you come from, and you were a teacher, so you could probably, you could, you probably feel when I say this. You know, you get so used to doing things, and you 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 try to delegate and give it to people, and then they weren't getting it done, or they were getting it done, and you still had to put in because they didn't do it the right way. It's just like you know what I do it myself. You know what I'm saying? And so I I was stuck in that space, and I had to begin to try to trust people who would have my best interests in hand, you know, so I, I kind of, I prayed, I prayed, man, and it took a couple months, it took some back and forth with the contract, with the contract, but when I finally released myself from that fear of letting people help me get to the next level, man, it worked out better than I ever would have thought. All right, so man, you are, you are definitely dropping some jewels for those folks that are listening uh how let's talk about the next chapter so off air we had this great conversation about you working on a new tv show and you're filming talk about talk about how you are looking to expand your brand by using media as a way to do that yeah you know as we as we were talking off off uh off camera you know i was telling you how i have a brother and a sister in the entertainment industry and i remember watching my sister uh, when she was on a particular television show that was one of the number one shows at the time, but I watched how 
I mean, she would walk into a mall or somewhere, and people would go crazy. And I was like, man, this is that, that's that's crazy. And so for me, I look at television, major podcasts, uh, major radio, wherever. But I, I just I I'm thinking about the word reach. How can I get my message to the maximum? amount of people no matter how it is and so what i'm working on next is maybe i maybe i'm hosting a tv show maybe i'm doing voiceovers maybe i'm maybe i'm on a show maybe i'm like no telling but i'm always like you were saying when we were talking about you said always reinvent yourself man so i'm just trying to stay creative and make sure i position myself for opportunities that i can see fit in my way come on man you didn't talk about modeling when you guys go to joe's website uh, com, you could be like yeah he could be modeling like some hanes t-shirts uh, uh, or, or some tight uh some some some, some tight uh under armor gear something like that be like oh joe fly. But remember he said he's married to a fine woman so joe how could people get in contact with you brother where you gonna be next website twitter feed handle how could they get in contact with you yeah, most of my action is on Instagram. You can find me at Joe Johnson Speaks. Uh, same thing on Facebook, uh, on Twitter. It's they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough uh, space, so it's at J Johnson Speaks. And my website, JoeJohnsonGroup.com. But I will appreciate it if you all go to Purpose2018.com to learn more about me. So, what's Purpose2018? What? Why did you choose that as a as a, a URL? Purpose2018. As we begin to wrap up. Purpose 2018 is, is, is something I created, and I created a uh, four-part video series, very short. Like the, Each video is probably about three minutes long, but just to get you thinking in the direction of your journey towards your purpose. So I want to make sure as soon as they try to reach out and find me, they go to Purpose2018.com, and bam, you're already into some of the stuff and the messages that I'm sending out into the world. As always, I told you we're going to have a dope show with some deep guests Got my man Joe Johnson, Dr. Joe Johnson, all the way from Milwaukee, currently right now in Atlanta, hanging out with his mama. That's what I'm talking about. Sisters love brothers who got good relationships with their mamas. So, Joe, you can catch Joe online. You can catch him all over the country. I would like to thank my producer, Darius Wilmore and Supreme for our theme music. And I got to thank my man for coming down, hanging out with me at the Sound Bomber Studios, my man Joe Johnson for laying it down and as always believe that something wonderful is about to happen and that some people miss the message because they are too busy looking for the mistake. This is your man, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields. You've been tuned, listening to Sound Bombing. Peace. People have this misconception that I'm about to come in here and give them all the right tools and skills to help build relationships. That's not what I'm here to do today. Because we like to skip steps. We like to jump right to the action and forget if you don't change the way in which you think your actions are never going to follow and change. We can't skip steps with this work. 